Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Hello, hello. Welcome back to Peak Northwest, an outdoors and travel podcast by The Oregonian and Oregon Live, dedicated to the adventure and exploration of our beautiful Pacific Northwest. I'm Jamie Hale. And I'm Jim Ryan, and together we're taking you folks to some of the most beautiful and interesting destinations in our region, discussing where to go, what to do, and places to see. And today, we're discussing waterfalls, and specifically those waterfalls found in the coast range by the Oregon coast. Jamie, I saw that you were out there chasing down some waterfalls the other day. What'd you come up with? Uh, Jim, there are so many amazing waterfalls in the Coast Range. I mean, we think of waterfalls uh, here in the Portland area, we think about the gorge. Yep. Right? And there's a lot of good ones in the gorge. But if you head out to the Coast Range, whether you're going down Highway 6 at Tillamook, um, you're going out to Astoria or Cannon Beach or Lincoln City or wherever, there's just a ton of great falls out there in the forest. Not bad. And, and- I used my one chasing waterfalls pun like immediately and I barely got a <laughs> smile out of you. Like it, it was just kind of a side eye glance and a brief little grin. So yeah. You know, yeah. After tweeting about these waterfalls and I didn't even use the phrase chasing down waterfalls on Twitter, but I got so many TLC references <laughs> from people replying to me that I'm sorry, Jim. I, I've, I think I've just am like You're chasing done. waterfalls out. You're done. Yeah. Well, I got my one in. <laughs> now I get a laugh out of you. So I'm happy. <laughs> Jamie, I guess if I'm going to find waterfalls, I'm going to the gorge, right? Mm -hmm. That is kind of the spot that probably most Portlanders or Portland area folks equate with going to check out really cool waterfalls. But out in the coast range, you tracked down like a a ton of them so much that you have to make a second trip, if I remember correctly. Yeah. And I want to talk about how to kind of arrange an itinerary to go see the best ones. But first, Jamie, what are your favorites or some of them at least? Well, for this trip, I was focusing on the North Coast range. Cool. And I got to to six on this this four-day trip, which also included some other things on the coast as well. But when I got back, I was looking at the map again, and I realized there's probably another six that I could have gone to just in that Northern Coast range. Mm -hmm. There are a few that really stood out to me. The first one that I think stands out the most in my memory is uh, Niagara Falls, mainly because of the name. Yeah. I mean, when you've got your own Niagara Falls, you got to go check it out. Yeah. I mean, of course, this is not like Niagara Falls, the Niagara Falls at the border of Canada, New York. Um, it's not this big, giant complex of waterfalls as that is. It, it is, however, two waterfalls at the end of the Niagara Falls Trail. You walk this sort of a mile and a half down this quiet forested trail. It's this really not busy trailhead at all. And once you get there, there are two waterfalls just before you. 
And when I got there, I didn't know which was Niagara Falls. Mm. And I asked a couple of hikers that were there, and they said, they're both Niagara Falls, which is not true. And also um, not very helpful. No, <laughs> no, not <laughs> at all. But um, I, I talked to the Forest Service, and they said that this kind of waterfall, when you get there on your right, at the very end of the trail, it's this beautiful, like this one singular plunge coming down off this basalt cliff. Um, it's not very tall, um, but it's tall enough to be impressive, and it that is called Niagara Falls, presumably okay. for the big Niagara Falls. And that's not something I could confirm. Okay, so the Forest Service didn't really know an origin story there? What they said is that it was named after Niagara Creek nearby and Niagara Point nearby. And I said, well, what are those named after? And they said, <laughs> we don't know. But the name, the word Niagara is like really specific. I looked up the etymology of that, and it all traces back to the Great Lakes regions. Uh, most people say it is a tribal word that came from that region, hence the name of the falls over there. Everywhere else in this country named Niagara is traces its roots back to that area. So it's very unlikely that there's some local connection somewhere. Right. No. There's a Niagara, Oregon, yeah. which appears to be named after the big Niagara Falls. So everything traces back to the border of New York and Canada. Niagara <laughs> Falls, the big one. But, I mean, this one, I, I just looked up some photos of it here. Niagara Falls, Oregon, still pretty cool, pretty impressive. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a beautiful waterfall. And when you get to the end of the trail, um, there's a little picnic table right there. Um, nice. And it's a nice place to sort of sit and just enjoy the the majesty of this, this small but really beautiful waterfall. And so you said a little bit before that there's two waterfalls there. What's the other one then? The other one is Pheasant Creek Falls. I like that. Yeah, it's nice. You The, the trail walks right at the base of it. Uh, this little footbridge that walks and when i went in the winter time it was really going good okay and it was impossible to walk past it without getting completely soaked by the spray i want to take a little bit of a step back these waterfalls are particularly impressive this time of year mm -hmm. too right because there's a lot of presumably rain runoff or some snow melting going on are they better now than they are say in october yeah these are the waterfalls that are going to dry up over the summer more reliably. Okay. A lot of the waterfalls coming out of the gorge, say, and other places around the state, if they're fed by any kind of glacial runoff, they're going to be going stronger later in the season because you've got all of that mm -hmm. snow still melting. The coast range, you're basically just relying on rains to feed these creeks into okay. these waterfalls. So if you go in July, some of these might not even be there at all, or they might just be a trickle. But if you go now, um, in the wintertime, in the late winter, or in the early fall, they're really going to be going good. And that's the time you want to go if you really want to see the, the full power cool. of these waterfalls. So waterfalls reliant on rain, not so much snow or glaciers, but now, great time to go. Exactly. Check it out. You heard it here first, folks. <laughs> Book it to the coast range. See it during the full rainy season. So we've talked Niagara, yeah, Jamie, but you hit, what, four or five more waterfalls during this last trip? Yeah. And I, I won't necessarily get into each and every one, but sure. I do want to highlight a couple of them. And the other one that really stood out to me was Drift Creek Falls. Okay. And this is one that a lot of people know. It's a pretty popular day hike if you're in Lincoln City, Depot Bay area. It's pretty close to Highway 101 in that part of the coast. And it's a, a, a pretty short waterfall compared to some of the ones in the gorge, say. It's only, I believe, about 66 feet tall. But the view you're getting of it as you're coming down the trail is from on top of a 240-foot-long suspension bridge oh my. hanging 100 feet above the canyon floor. 
very cool. You don't get a lot of views like that. Yeah, unique. I mean, as far as Oregon waterfalls go, you're predominantly going to be traveling to the base or somewhere close to the base of the waterfall. Or maybe if you're lucky, going around back or up to the top or something like that. But Suspension Bridge is a whole new whole new take on Oregon waterfalls. It takes it to a whole new level, yeah, doesn't it? I like that. And I like can, that. You can still hike the trail. It continues past the bridge down to the base. So you can get that kind of base okay. look. Some people like to get pictures from that angle. But I love just getting this kind of bird's eye view of the hmm. waterfall. It's not like anything you, you can see at other waterfalls around the state. That's really interesting. How uh, how far do you have to hike in to get to this guy, approximately? that's a, It's a mile and a half from the trailhead to the bridge. So if you're looking for a, a super accessible mm-hmm. winter hike, big payoff, not a lot of work for it, this might kind of be close to the top of the list. It's perfect if you're at the coast and it's raining and you just want to you know, get inland a little bit yeah. and still have an adventure because most of the trail is forested and the drive to get there from 101 is paved the entire way, which is pretty rare when you're finding these. A lot of these waterfalls that I went to It was down bumpy forest roads, Mm -hmm. confusing directions. This one has signs and paved roads the whole way, which is super rare. So it's easy. Exactly. It's very accessible compared to some of these other waterfalls. Yeah, I like that. And I mean, the inaccessibility sometimes is part of the fun. Sure. But if that's not always what you're looking for, you know. Yeah. Sometimes you want that, you know, at least a vault toilet at the end. You know, that's a good thing to have a parking lot that is paved and lined. That's true. That's true. And Jamie, you said there's a a third waterfall that really struck your fancy on this trip. What do you got for us? Yeah, this is kind of the opposite of the accessibility of Drift Creek Falls. This is University Falls. And this one is one of the more confusing ones for me to find. It's um, off of Oregon Route 6 as you're kind of going towards the the Tillamook Forest Mm -hmm. Center. And you turn off, and it's not really well marked. You kind of go down some forest roads. I had some printed out directions to help me through it. Uh, and I found the trailhead. And even when you're on the trail, there's not really a lot of signs to, to show you where to go. You kind of have to follow. Again, I'd print it out directions. Yeah. You have to follow that to, to find it. Um, and eventually you get there and there's just, just this like one like hand-painted sign that's beautifully colored. It says University Falls out of nowhere in the forest. And you walk down and there's this little tiny, I mean, in terms of stature, short waterfall that when I got there was just completely gushing. Huh. The wind coming off of the waterfall was so strong that like it was blowing in my face and you know I had to clean my camera off mm-hmm. every 3 seconds just to get a clear shot of it. It was just a, a gorgeous little pocket of nature right there. And about how far do you think it took to hike in mileage wise? That was a little bit harder because again the directions were like not super yeah. clear. It was pretty short though. I want to say it was probably only a mile in. Okay, but maybe a little bit of backtracking or or finding your way. I did okay. Yeah. Uh, I followed kind of instincts a little bit, which is helpful. If you know where you're going, it's a nice easy quick hike. It takes a little bit of of difficulty in navigating the roads to get there. Mhm. But if you have the directions down, it's really easy to get to and a nice one to check out too. And where should folks go if they want to maybe try to track down some direction to get there okay? There's a great website that I use for most of my hiking um, when I don't know where I'm going or the land man- management agency doesn't have uh, good directions. And that is OregonHikers.org. And it's a great website that has um, you know up-to-date directions from hikers who have been there that show you how to get to the trailhead, um, how to do the hike, and if there's outages, they'll tell you about it. And it's also a great way to find a hike 
too. They've got kind of a field guide where you can pick, okay, I'm on the coast. I'm looking for a hike in the coast range or along the beach. Here are six options that you might be able to dial in for your trip. Yeah, if I have any gripe with them, it is just that they have so much information that it can be sometimes hard to find, say, one or two hikes when you have an option of 12 or so to pick from. So when I was going for these North Coast waterfalls, I'm obviously going for as many as I can get to or all of them. Um, But it is important to note that if you do want to chase some of these down, that some of them are not very accessible. Some are on uh, private property. Some take really uh, difficult hikes, difficult drives to get to. So Oregon Hikers is a great spot to find that information. But also, I would say just Google around a little bit um, and try to find out the most up-to-date information you can about these before you get yourself in a bind or in a difficult situation. It's a do-your-research kind of trip as opposed to if you just hit the waterfall corridor down the historic Columbia River Highway, you can hit a bunch of waterfalls without really leaving pavement if you would like to. Um, This sounds like it's a little bit more on the adventuresome side. Yes. When you say chasing down waterfalls, I mean, it is literally chasing down waterfalls. You know, going, dipping in and out of highways and forest roads and trying to weave your way through this coast range to find the right spots. And so the question arises then, why should people do it? (laughs) That's a great question. I mean, I think I know the answer because it's part of the fun tracking them down and trying to find something that maybe isn't as well known or established as maybe a gorge waterfall. But that's maybe only part of the magic. Yeah, I think that's that's part of it. There are certain groups of people who really like to do this kind of thing. There mm-hmm. are you know, people who love hunting down every waterfall they can get their hands on, who are going to try to find all of these. And there are also people who just want to see something different. Yeah, I mean, I love the coast range as sort of a less explored part of our state because it's somewhere that usually we're driving through, right? We're going from the valley to the coast. We drive over it. We drive around it. You maybe see a couple things here and there, but there's so much there that is so unexplored. I know that for me personally, I'm taking more time to just explore those places, do those hikes, go to those campgrounds that otherwise we just pass by on the freeway. No, that's a good point. And Jamie, I want to hear more about what it's like to actually plan one of these trips, but we're going to do that after a short break. All right, folks, we are back talking about waterfalls of the coast range of Oregon and how to go see them yourself. And and Jamie, you recently were on quite an extended trip tracking down six waterfalls, and it sounded like a little bit of a logistical challenge. So how how should folks go about planning a trip like this of their own? Yeah, Jim, I think any trip to the coast range has to include a trip to the coast. That's just that's basic. Yeah, that makes sense. So when I planned this trip, I did four days and I basically just crossed over the coast range to the coast, did some stuff out there, and every day just jumped back into the coast range as I could through all the various routes you take to get to these different waterfalls. Sounds great. So it for me, basically, I came down through Oregon Route 6 um, mm-hmm. through Tillamook State Forest and did a couple waterfalls there. You know, there's uh, University Falls is there. There's one called Bridge Creek Falls. Uh, Wilson River Falls is off the Wilson River Trail, which you can access. It's a really great hiking trail all pretty much all season. And made my way out to Oceanside for a night. And from Oceanside, I dipped down to Lincoln City Depot Bay Area 
And from there, it was just, you know, Drift Creek Falls and Niagara Falls and Munson Creek Falls. There's another great little state park site uh, near Depot Bay with this really tall waterfall. So I I basically just paired it with some of these other regular coast trip uh, itineraries that I might come up with normally. You know, I'm going to little park sites that are on the coast itself and eating some fish and chips, of course. Mm -hmm. Listen to our previous episode on the subject. Yep. I went to Gracie's Sea Hag in Depot Bay and tried their fish and chips. And of course, once you're in Depot Bay, it's a great place to stay. So, I mean, when you're out in the forest checking out these waterfalls, I mean, there's some campgrounds out there, but a lot of them are closed seasonally. So if you're going to want to stay somewhere, I mean, and you might as well just stay on the coast. Yeah, sure. Or at the very least, call ahead or do your research to make sure where you actually want to stay is, in fact, open this time of year. Great time of year to see waterfalls. Not a super great time of year to set up a tent and camp. I can imagine so. A little bit on the muddy side. Yeah. As we've said before, you got to get your tarp game right Mm -hmm. if you want to do that. Yeah. Personally, I prefer getting a beach house and where I can get like, you know, a hot shower, maybe a hot tub and take it easy and unwind from the day. I mean, there's not a lot of people who don't prefer a beach house (laughs) with a hot shower and a hot tub. I'll take a hot tub any day of the year. Just saying. Any day of the year. 90 degrees. Portland sweltering summer. Hot tub if it's available. Give me that tub. Give me the jets. Whoa. He's going with the jets too. Well, yeah, I mean, you got to have some jets going if you're going to get a tub. I mean, 90 degrees, I'm trying to limit the jets, I think. (laughs) I digress. So you you stayed in one spot then in Depot Bay the whole time for this trip, or did you bounce around a little bit? I The first night I stayed in Oceanside. Oh, Oceanside, that's right. Um, And I got a little uh, beach house there. I I prefer staying in Depot Bay uh, over Oceanside, um, just because Oceanside doesn't have as much going on as a town. There's, there's, you know, two restaurants in town, one open for breakfast and one open for dinner. You know, there's no cell service or anything like that. So it was hard to get any kind of work done. So I, I, I prefer Depot Bay where there's a lot going on. There's a lot of places you can eat, um, a lot more you can do. Yeah. So I spent a couple nights down there and sort of use that as my base camp to go to some of these other coast range waterfalls in the area. Cool. And would you recommend, I mean, some folks will, like, if I'm going on a big road trip, I'll go as far as, you know, mapping out in a Google Doc with whoever I'm traveling with. Here's what I'm going to do this day. Then here's maybe what we're going to have for dinner. Here's how early we're going to have to wake up the next day. Here's how many miles it is to wherever we're going. Do you map your trips out that specifically? Oh, yeah. That? yeah. I figured oh, you did. yeah. You kind of got that little smile <laughs> creeping up on the edges of your mouth as, as I was talking about making a Google Doc. So I have my, my itinerary open in front of me, and it is literally like, you know, Munson Creek Falls, Niagara Falls. It's a 55-minute drive. You know, it's a two-mile hike at Niagara Falls. It's a 0.6-mile hike at Munson Creek Falls. I think this is good information to have, especially when you've got shorter days. Yeah. And you really want to make sure if you're doing a bunch of stuff that you want to get in and out before it gets dark, just to plan that out properly. Especially this time of year. I mean, like like you said, if the sun's setting, you know, quite early in the evening now, I believe it's after five o'clock, but still, that's pretty early. You've got a limited time to work with, so you want to make the most of it. Yeah, and I don't like driving the Coast Range roads or even Highway 101 after dark, especially if it's wet. It's one of those roads where it's it's really, really dark, and people can slide off the road really easily, uh, if anyone's been drinking and driving, they cross the line. This happens all the time. So I like to just get off the road if I can before dark, uh, this time of year especially. And then it gives you a good excuse to go 
grab a local bite to eat, mm-hmm. hang out in your hot tub, or grab a hot <laughs> shower. Right. You know, whatever you might <laughs> like to do this time of year. Get a sandwich, sit in the hot tub. <laughs> sandwich and hot. Jamie's throwing all the hot tub takes here. No, I actually, I actually think you probably should not eat food. It's in the probably hot tub. against like the Airbnb rental contract. Eating it's your, just your gauche, the... I think, to eat food in the hot tub. Yeah, I agree with that. <laughs> I agree with that. It's generally probably not a best practice. Yeah, get a drink in the hot tub. That's fine. Have yourself a glass of wine. There we go. You know. There we go. A, a, a much more widely uh, accepted thing to do, I would say. <laughs> um, what else, if anything, should we know uh, about these waterfalls, Jamie, before we move on? I mean, I think when we talked about, we did our rainy day hikes podcast, and we talked a lot about just how to prepare yourself. Even if it's not raining, when you go up to these waterfalls, especially this time of year, it's probably going to be wet. I had this experience at um, Niagara Falls mm-hmm. um, when I was crossing the footbridge over Pheasant Creek Falls, as I said earlier, and it's really, really wet there. It wasn't raining, but I got drenched Did you? because the spray of this waterfall was so big and it was so right in my face that you couldn't possibly walk through it without getting wet. Um, and a lot of these trails at this time of year, too, turn into creeks because of yeah. the, just the amount of rain that is coming through this mountain range. So a good pair of boots... Make sure you get some waterproof clothing or just some, you know, um, quick drying clothing and bring your 10 essentials, of course, because this is also an area that is prone to landslide. Should anything happen, you want to make sure you have all of your safety equipment with you, all of your emergency supplies, and tell folks where you're going if you're hiking alone. Good advice any time of year, but especially this time of year when it's wet and it's cold and that can be a dangerous combination in the event anything goes sideways. Jamie, we've talked all about what you've done what do you have coming up next here? Oh, man. Well, as you know, this is kind of a, a, a slower time of year, yeah. but I am about to embark on my second trip of the winter, um, which is down to Southern Oregon. I mentioned this in our planning for 2020 podcast, yeah. but I am um, looking to go down to Southern Oregon to see some of the bald eagles that congregate at the Lower Klamath National Wildlife Refuge. Very cool. They come there by just the hundreds or even thousands sometimes this time of year. And it's a great spot to sort of hang out and get some pictures and soak up some of that cool bald eagle energy. I like that. That's not, have you been there before? I have. I went there uh, a few years ago to do this exact same thing, but I found out I did not have a long enough camera lens uh-huh. and I could not get very many good pictures of the eagles. I don't know if you've ever tried to sneak up on a bald eagle to get a picture of it. It's never tried. Actually. It's not possible. Yeah. You can't do it's it. It's not good. They're, they're, they're not sticking around. <laughs> no, they don't like that. No, they're, they're not a fan of the old sneak attack. That, that is fair. And Jamie, so you're doing this trip uh, in February. Is, is now a particularly good time to go check out, check out the bald eagles? Yeah. In this particular area too. Um, February is about the time that the bald eagles congregate at this hmm. area. What they're doing is they're feasting off of the waterfowl that are still there. Oh. So they're kind of getting a pre-spring snack, if you will. I like it. Yeah. Very cool. I would love to make a trip someday. Yeah. Well, Jim, of course, you make plenty of trips, and I'm sure you have many coming up. What is next on the horizon for you? So if you don't mind, I'm going to flip that question on its head and bump back. Is that all right? Yeah. Do I have your permission? Bump away. (laughs) So just have a new Peak Northwest episode out uh, of our companion video series. So I went with a couple of friends and our video producer, Brooke Herbert, went down to Smith Rock State Park, one of your favorite places. Great spot. A couple of months ago and did a little rock climbing for our latest episode. And 
just wanted to, uh, number one, tell folks, go check it out. Brooke got some really gorgeous footage. If, if you're even not the slightest bit interested in watching any climbing, go check it out for the landscape footage. I mean, Smith is such a gorgeous place. Oregon's high desert, beautiful scenery, soaring walls, volcanic rock, the Crooked River winding through the place. I mean, it's just an unbelievable locale. And the fact that it's a you know one of the best climbing areas in the country uh, is the icing on the cake. What I love about your Peak Northwest videos is that they're always activities that people can do, but maybe feel a little bit intimidated about doing. Maybe not something that everyone's up to, right? And that's, yeah. that's for the best. Rock climbing is inherently dangerous. It's not something you should just go do, right? Uh, unless you're going to hire a guide or have someone who may be a very experienced friend or set of friends who are going to be able to, quite literally speaking, show you the ropes. So I learned how to rock climb through a combination of very experienced, safety-conscious friends, as well as paying for instruction. So while I'm no expert, I very much enjoy getting out and experiencing Smith from a new angle up on the walls, and it's just an absolutely fantastic place. I almost feel like having Smith Rock, this world-class climbing destination in Oregon, almost encourages more people to learn how to climb in this area. If you even have any kind of inkling toward wanting to do any kind of climbing, it's easy to go to Smith Rock and be very encouraged. You know, I, I don't know that there's necessary, necessarily a correlation between folks who want to climb and folks who hang out at Smith, but my gosh, I mean, it's such a nice place. And uh, even this time of year, you can find some good weather and go do a little climbing yourself. Man, I find I find I want to talk a lot more about Smith Rock, and I think we're probably gonna have to save that for another pod in the future. For now, I think we've we've probably about time to wrap things up. So, Jamie, until next time, folks can subscribe to the Peak Northwest podcast wherever you get your podcast. Watch our videos, such as the one about climbing at Smith Rock, on the Oregonians YouTube channel, and follow us on Instagram at Peak Northwest. This episode of the podcast was produced by me, Jim Ryan, alongside Jamie Hale and Brooke Herbert. Stay safe and happy travels, everyone. Until next time, we leave you with this 10 Seconds of Zen.